Good morning, Illini, and welcome back to Healthy Illini Podcast. I'm Matt Schrock, your host, and I do apologize for my voice. I'm a little scratchy today. It has been a kind of a weird winter in that we've had not really so much cold, but a lot of warm followed by some cold followed by some warm and allergies are not liking me right now. So I do apologize if I sound a little gravelly, a little junked up, but we're going to muscle through this one. And I'm excited about this podcast today. I think it's a good topic. It's one that's very pertinent. And so I'm excited to have our guests on and let's jump right into it. Today, I'm joined by two of our staff here at McKinley Health Center. First up, we have Dr. Ray Ambrose. Uh, She works out of our women's health clinic here and folks around a few other clinics as well. But uh, Dr. Ambrose, thanks for being here this morning. Thank you. And we're also joined by Denisha Moore. She is the sexual health educator out of Health Education. And I'm excited to have her here on this program. Denisha, thanks for being here. And today you're both here because we are talking about sexual health. This is something that we had been talking behind the scenes about having this podcast for some time. I'm just trying to decide what we wanted to talk about. Because when you talk about sexual health, that's a huge topic. We could spend and we could create, I mean, there are entire podcasts that are dedicated to that, not just episodes, but entire podcasts that are dedicated to that topic because there's just so much to to go over and um, it's such a broad topic. And so we're not even going to attempt to be arrogant enough to hit everything in this episode, but we uh, do want to drill down into a couple of particular ideas, but we are going to start a little broad because that is necessary. Um and there was something in, in the prep work that we did. Denisha, you said something that I f- found very interesting. But often when we talk about sexual health, the conversation is immediately sexually transmitted diseases or STIs. But in your prep, you used a different term and you called it an RTI. And I had not heard that term. So uh, real quick, what is an RTI? Um, yes. Yeah, so RTIs are reproductive tract infections. Um, this is something that I didn't know much about and did some research in as well. Um, due to some like personal experiences I've had and some questions I've gotten, I thought it'll be interesting to look into this. But reproductive tract infections um, also include sexually transmitted and other common infections. Some examples are like bacterial vaginosis or your common like yeast infections. Some of your um, examples for sexually transmitted infections are like chlamydia, um, gonorrhea, and syphilis. Um, From what I've learned from some of our providers here is that syphilis isn't something that we usually get on campus very often, but more chlamydia and gonorrhea is seen more. So you guys might be more familiar with those two sexually transmitted infections and possibly um, familiar with bacteria vaginosis and yeast infections if you identify as a female and have a female reproductive organ. Would you you say, I'm going to jump in real quick, would you say that if if we're talking like umbrellas, that all STIs are under RTIs, but not all RTIs are sexually transmitted diseases. Am I understanding that correctly? That sounds correct based on like what I was reading. And I would love for Ambrose to step in on this too, because that's where I guess my confusion came up, um, thinking that STIs, which there are some STIs that are included in RTIs. And I think these specific STIs are the ones that can become more severe and become an actual reproductive tract infection, which could be something that can have more long-term um, effects. So um, I don't know if Ambrose can kind of chime in and maybe say like, you know, what is maybe the difference between STIs or are they the same? Um, I know it could just be how they're transmitted and how you get it or how it um, ends up developing in the body. But I would love to hear a little bit more about if you know what's the differences. Sure, sure. And one thing I'd like to say first off is we will often refer to female and male, and this is not ever to be exclusionary for any group of persons. When 
we are referring to female, referring to persons with gynecological organs, that would be cervix and uterus, or more in pertaining to our situation talking today, vagina. And when we refer to male, we're referring to persons that have a penis. Again, because we're focusing kind of on infections of the reproductive tract. Backing up, reproductive tract infections, or RTIs, are inclusive of both STIs and general infections. And as she said, general infections include yeast infections, which have some trademark or uh, classic symptoms that we can talk about after, uh, can be both male and female. And then, uh, again, BV or bacterial vaginosis. STIs are inclusive of a whole ballpark of, of entities, which many people are familiar with. The ones that we typically will diagnose or screen for at McKinley would be, again, in that region, chlamydia and gonorrhea. And again, we can talk about what types of things or what types of symptoms or signs go along with those two as well. So that, that, that is actually the next place I want to go um, because we talked uh, kind of the big umbrella of what a sexually transmitted disease is versus an RTI, that there's some overlap there, but there is also some distinction. And it, it can get tricky. It can get tricky. And, you know, we had it. Let's, let's get to go back to 2020, COVID. I've got allergies. I start sneezing. I start coughing. I run a little bit of a fever. Do I have COVID? Do I have allergies? You know, uh, um, I have some, my stomach's upset. Do I have COVID? Do I have something else? Because there's a lot of overlap in a lot of these, in a, a lot of the symptoms of things that we can get, it makes it really tough sometimes to figure out what it is. And now we're talking about sexually transmitted diseases. We're talking about sexual health, um, reproductive health, that sort of thing. And there can be a, a lot of, of overlap there. So what are, we kind of, you, you kind of hit on it already, but what are the, some of the most common RTIs versus STIs and how do you, is there a way to, from symptoms, is there a way to kind of tell which way, you know, like which this is? Um, how do you kind of tell what the, sure. need to, how you need to address it? Sure. General RTIs are, again, yeast. And the classic symptoms for yeast in a female would be, classic is itching. It really includes itching. There can be a white, cheesy discharge. There can be discomfort. But the classic symptom that we see or hear about is itching. Um, for the other, what we would consider RTI, that would be general. The other one is uh, BV or bacterial vaginosis. Again, trademark symptom, odor, vaginal odor. There can be a yellow thin discharge. There can uh, be, again, discomfort. Uh, the, usually the, usually the uh, vulva can be irritated uh, with uh, yeast uh, infections, often not with BV. Uh, in a male, there's usually pain on the head of the penis. There can be redness. There can be swelling. It's oftentimes in a uncircumcised male, and that would be called balanitis. Again, all of these come typically with symptoms. These are the general eyes, as we've called them. The STIs, on the other hand, generally have absolutely no symptoms. They are they're they're past. Uh, because of close contact, and we can have in our, again, our female patients can have uh, burning with urination or change in discharge. There can be spotting or bleeding after intercourse. Uh, in our male patients, there can be testicular pain in addition to the burning or 
discharge from the penis, but oftentimes, truly, STIs are completely asymptomatic, we say. You, you have no idea that you have it, and that's why we screen for them. I thought I was going to say, if, if, if there are no symptoms, um, how do you know? Um, and, and then you brought up screening. Um, and uh, for those who might not know, um, Denisha, what is what is an STI screen? Um, what does that mean? I mean, how do you how do you get tested? You know, what does that all involve? So with STI screenings, that's more of you going and getting like testing done through like blood draw, um, and that can be completely different from the research I did um, getting testing for an RTI. Uh, with RTIs, I believe you have to actually get some type of um, vaginal exam or penile exam to get um, like a Pap smear if you are a um, female. I'm not sure what it looks like for males because I have not um, done much research in that. But I know getting a Pap smear and actually having to get a um, swab of the vaginal canal to actually check to see if you have RTIs. Um, I think that can kind of be the difference between how you. Um, diagnose an STI um, versus an RTI because you can't really see or find out if you have an RTI through your regular testing for STI through blood tests. So we also concentrate on where you've been, where the body part has been, and what body part you're using. And so if it's a penis, if it's a vagina, if it's an anus, we test each of those sites. If it's skin, and some STIs are exclusively to the skin. Um, but we will test or we will screen the site that we ask them. Um, what body part are you using when you're having that close sexual contact and where are you putting it? Is there a recommended schedule for like STI testing? Is it something you want to do like every yearly or do you want to do it monthly or do you want to do it based on contact? What What's the recommended thing for screening for STIs? Um, so CDC and various academies that outline recommended screening is typically for females age 14 to 24 annually. And that's for chlamydia and gonorrhea since the tests come together. With our students, you know, the, the opportunity exists for anybody to get screened. And I tell my patients, if you are sexually active, come to McKinley. There, it's included in your McKinley benefit. You call, you get an appointment, uh, sometimes the question is, what am I going to have to do? In many cases, we're just screening and you'll be peeing in a cup. If you're having uh, intercourse and you uh, would prefer to be uh, evaluated, then the provider will take a look at the penis and the provider will do an examination of the vagina, not necessarily having to look inside. Sometimes it's just a vaginal swab. If you're engaging in oral sex, we'll swab the back of the throat. If you are engaging in anal intercourse, uh, receptive or insertive, uh, then we will place a swab in the anus. If there's questions about anything on the skin in any of the areas, the perineum, around the anus, or other sites, we'll look at it. We don't have to. If you really just want to be screened and you want to know you're safe before you progress, come on in. We'll collect your urine and swab your throat if you're engaging in oral sex and send you on your way. Your results will come in in probably 48 hours. So if a student comes in and gives an STI screen um, and it comes back negative, does that mean that covers everything, that you're negative for everything? Do those screens cover the the whole, you know, 
spectrum of, of, of STIs? Um, so based on some of the research I did, I'm going to use this um, a lot because I did a lot of research into this. Um, with STIs, I believe that if you come back negative and nothing comes back, but you're having some type of symptoms or maybe not having symptoms, but you know you may have had sex with an infected partner, comes back negative. Um, usually I would say that that's when that getting that penile exam or that vaginal exam to get that vaginal swab or a penile swab or anal swab would come in because that's going to be able to show you if you have any type of infection that's not being seen through the STI testing, um, urine or blood. So I think that's kind of what makes them a little different with the RTIs um, and like the sexually transmitted infections within RTIs is that sometimes they're not going to come up if you just get that regular STI screening. You might have to take that next step and actually get an exam. Yeah, typically, um, again, at McKinley, it would be uh, chlamydia and gonorrhea. And um, if you opted to do blood work, uh, screening for HIV and syphilis. Chlamydia being the number one reportable STI, uh, although um, we have talked about it and we are kind of not spreading into it on this podcast because, like Matt said, it could be its whole <laughs> podcast of its own. There is HPV, and HPV, or human papillomavirus, is actually the number one sexually transmitted viruses uh, and uh, infection. It can cause uh, anal genital warts, warts that are on the vulva, inside the vagina, around the anus, uh, anywhere in the perineum. And it is the number one uh, out there. We don't screen for it. We don't test for it. And HPV can cause a lot of other things that I hope that we talk about in a future podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we, that was one that I, I really wrestled with. Uh, before we came on HPV, because I do know that it is such a pertinent topic. It is such a pertinent thing, not just, you know, in our area, but just in general sexual health, reproductive health conversations everywhere. And so, yes, we are in the works of getting that one, trying to figure out what we can get it. Maybe a little while, but we're working on what we can get that one on. But so you said you don't test for it, you don't screen for it. Is that because there is not a test or is that something that you just have to specifically ask for? So the test that people think about would be one that's associated with a pap smear. And a pap smear is completely separate from anything we're talking about today. That is cervical cancer in persons that have a cervix or gynecological organs. There are some patients that are also screened for HPV. Those females that are over the age of 30, it's a standard test. Or if there's an abnormal pap on somebody who is younger than that. But again, we don't test for that in other sites. And the number one STI is anal genital warts. But yes, that wouldn't be something that you could just come in and ask for testing or screening. Now, I will say, we are not gonna go into HPV today. We're not gonna go deep into it. But if you're listening and you have a question, please contact us. Just because we're not talking about it on the podcast doesn't mean we don't wanna talk about it ever. Um, you know, we have resources. There's lots of people you can talk to. Even if you have a question, it's not a matter of, uh, I want to get tested for it. It's just, I don't even know what this means. I want to know more. What, what? How do I stay healthy with this? What do I need to be aware of? Call McKinley. We'll put you in contact with somebody here and we'll be happy to talk to you about it and share the information that we have. Please don't think that because we're going to kind of blow past it here for a second, that it's not an important conversation. It's just, we don't have the time today to cover it. We're planning on doing that in a later podcast when we can devote an entire, you know, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it is we do to that particular topic. So. And Matt, I'd also like to add to that. There we're, we're talking about infections here and 
they're fearful items. When you hear of these things, there's there's fear involved. There's shame often involved. Um, it's stigmatized. People can feel that they're unclean. They can have concerns about the relationship. And, you know, STIs and general RTIs like yeast and BB, they're a fact of life. They should not be something that people are uh, worried about, the fact that other people are thinking or knowing something about them. More importantly, most are treatable and, and everyone can be attacked. And the thing that we want to do here at McKinley, and we are lucky enough to have a sexual health educator like Denisha here on our staff, we want to spend that time to educate people, talk about it, and take the shame out of the question. Let's move into some of that discussion because we've talked about what it is and some of the testing and things. But uh, I want to give some some tips and tools to be proactive um, on on both ends, not just uh, in your treatment. We want to get to the treatment d- discussion as well. But before that, prevention. Prevention is huge. Uh, it makes, I mean, whether we're talking about... Uh, uh, STIs or we're talking about physical fitness or we're talking about mental health, you know, being proactive makes a huge difference. And so what are some of the ways that someone can be proactive and try and prevent and minimize the chances of getting an RTI or an STI? Before I kind of hit on that, I wanted to add to what Ambrose said before we move into some prevention tips, just to say that, you know, BV and yeast are especially something that's Um, anyone I would say with a vagina is going to deal with probably quite a bit. It's really common to have throughout the lifespan. So just wanted to say that if that's something that you're struggling with, um, not to be afraid or feel ashamed of that because it's very common for women just to make sure that you are staying up with getting your routine exams, your testing done, and making sure you're taking your antibiotics and finishing them. I know we're not getting into treatment, but just wanted to say that and add that extra piece. It's something that's going to happen. It's common and don't feel ashamed of it. It's something I've experienced, so don't be ashamed of that. But to go into prevention, um, some things that you can do to prevent yourself from getting an RTI and STI, as well as to practice safer sex, adapt a safer sex type of attitude. Start using barriers. And when I say barriers, I mean external and internal barriers, as in condoms and also internal condoms. Another word that we're not using for it anymore, but you may know is female condoms. Those are something that can also be used if you don't want to use external condoms. Um, You can also use other type of berries if you don't want to have to use condoms that can also be used. Um, Other type of contraceptives that can be used to help kind of um, block that cervix to help with um, stopping anything from getting into the cervix and becoming an actual reproductive tract infection. So that's one way you can do it that everybody I'm hoping is practicing um, using barriers. Some other things that you can do is making sure that you're doing like routine screening. So if you are over the age of, I believe, 21, when we start getting pap smears, making sure that you get that first pap, that first pap smear um, to make sure you're getting checked for, you know, cervical cancers. Or if you have anything, type, any type of um, RTI, STI, such as HPV, that can come up through um, your pap smear making sure that you're doing those routine screenings and also doing routine assessments to see what is your risk of possibly getting an RTI. Um, There are certain populations that can get them more than others, like those with vaginas are higher risk of getting RTIs than males. So making sure that you're practicing routine assessments and um, going over your like sexual history with partners 
and making sure that you're not having sex with infected people and making sure you're comfortable having those conversations so you will learn um, a person's STI status and making sure that you're keeping yourself safe. So those are some tips of how you can um, prevent yourself from getting RTIs and eyes. Two other things, Denisha, that I'd like to add to what you said, which was very important. Uh, one is a vaccine. Uh, this is the HPV vaccine. And while the HPV vaccine protects us from many different entities, uh, two of the HPV types that cause anal genital warts are included in the HPV vaccine. The other very important piece uh, for prevention is PrEP, which is pre-exposure prophylaxis. And this is a combo medicine that's very important for patients who are uh, more at risk for HIV and uh, can, can also be uh, gotten here at McKinley and uh, definitely talk to your provider if you are engaging in sexual activity that would put you at higher risk, which would be um, any type of sexual activity where you have been exposed to a number of STIs or more importantly, uh, receptive or insertive uh, 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 rectal uh, anal intercourse. And, and again, if you're a student listening, um, just a reminder off this kind of an aside, but you can come to McKinley. If you're a student, it's already covered by your tuition and fees. We don't, it's not insurance, it's not which insurance you have. Can you come? I'm on my parents' insurance. I'm on the university insurance. That doesn't matter. You can come to McKinley and you can ask these questions. You can be seen, you can be tested. And if you do have an RTI, if you do have an STI, we can look at treatment options here as well. And so it, it, we're the resource to help you with this and answer your questions and help navigate things that can be daunting. It can be so unknown or, or complicated or there's a lot of stigma or there's a lot of misconception, that sort of thing. And so please reach out again. Uh, I say it every time, but reach out so that we can help be a, a, a resource on this journey for you. I'd like to add one piece, which I think was important that Denisha said, safe sex. And I love what she said about all that stuff. That's so important. I, I think on simpler terms, though, and I'm speaking on simpler terms typically. And when I'm when I've got a patient in front of me, I'll say, if you know you're with her and she's with you and there's effective birth control on board, that's the time to have the discussion hey, maybe we can engage in intercourse without a condom. That's risk that you both can take, but you want to do it when you know that you are not having sex with the rest of the neighborhood. More importantly, I had someone tell it to me even simpler. No glove, no love. So you make that decision. And we, we've all heard those phrases. I've heard them when I was in high school, and but there's value there. Sometimes cliche, we, we don't like cliches, but cliches are cliches because there's some truth there. There's always a truth nugget in a cliche. Um, but we are both talking about what it sounds like it's coming back to is conversation, setting boundaries with partners, being open and honest with partners. Communication is key, um, for any kind of relationship, whether it's sexual or not, because you may be in a relationship and abstinence is your choice. That that's fantastic. If that's your choice, if your choice is to use barriers, that's fantastic. That's your choice. The important part is having that conversation of being open and honest and talking to your partner or partners and just knowing where everyone stands on the idea. And then, then you can make educated choices from that. That's, I mean, I know, Denise, that's the thing that health education is all about educating. It's about communication. It's about having those conversations with students. So I know that's a huge part of what you do with your outreach is just trying to raise awareness and understanding so that students can make the best choice. We're lucky to have you. 
Yes, absolutely. I'm sorry I forgot that piece, but yeah, that is very huge. Like making sure you're practicing consent and having those conversations because that is like the first thing that you should do before even engaging insects to build that partnership, that trust with a partner. So you can, if you want to engage in unprotected sex, you're doing that with a trusted partner that you know their STI status, their history. I mean, you know how many partners they've been with and you've talked about, you know, what you're comfortable doing in the bedroom, whether that's not using a condom or using a condom or maybe choosing to use it at certain times or choosing a different method that you can use like a contraceptive. So yes, that is very important to making sure that you prevent yourself from getting any type of STI, RTI, very important. Like I said, we could we could spend forever on these topics. We just keep going. But as I'm sitting here, I'm like, oh man, I wanna ask about this, I wanna ask about that, but we are out of time. So I, I just wanna say thank you to both you, uh, Dr. Ambrose, for coming and talking to us and being just you know open and candid about a topic that a lot of students may be a little uncomfortable with. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. The key to any kind of relationship is communication. That's that's why we do Healthy Illini. It's communicating ideas. It's communicating resources. It's trying to start conversations. It's what it's all about because when you have that communication, that's when stigmas go away. That's when uncertainties go away. That's when misconceptions go away. And sexual health is, or reproductive health, either one, is in that same category. And so if you're listening today and there's something you've heard and you want to follow up, please reach out to us. We have resources in the bio. You can always catch us here at McKinley. You can always reach out to us here at Healthy Illini. would love to have a conversation with you to help support you wherever you are in your walk right now. I hope you've listened and I hope it, it's something that's, that's caught you that you follow up with it. Um, it's so important to just dive into these conversations no matter where you are in a relationship, where you are in your journey. This is something that is, whether you're you know 10 or 90, conversations mean everything. Having those interactions is really what is so key and important. So I hope you reach out. And I hope that if you have those questions or you want to give a comment or you want to follow up, that you'll reach out to us. But thank you for joining us today. You are on a personal journey no matter where you are in it. You are important and you matter. Your health and wellness are important and matter. And we are here to keep you well to excel. So go have a great week, Illini. Let us know how you're doing. And we'll catch you next time on Healthy Illini.